Today's scripture reading will be read from Philippians, the second chapter, the 14th through the 18th verse. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drinking offering on the sacrifice and service becoming from your faith, I am glad and rejoicing with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. We do continue our systematic study of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Uh, The last time we looked at the 12th and the 13th verses of the second chapter where we read, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Therefore, therefore, on the basis of what was written before where Paul presents Jesus Christ is that perfect template, that perfect example, that perfect model of, of selflessness, selfless service, uh, obedience to the Father. Uh, Paul says to continue to work out your salvation with great reverence. Work out. Show proof of the transformation that has taken place in your life. Again, as I, like I shared last week, uh, as my mom would say, uh, she would always say, boy, act like you've got some sense. Boy, it just let your behavior match up with the way you were reared. Just don't, don't, it's like, were you raised by wolves? What's the matter with you? You know better than that. That's, I, 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 hear, my, I hear Henrietta's voice right now. Uh, act like you have some sense. Mom, she wasn't questioning my intelligence or my upbringing. She, she was saying, like Paul, you know, whether I'm around you or not around you, you know how you were raised. You, you know right from wrong. Act like it. Yeah, don't, don't, you don't, don't act that way uh, to try and win some points or anything. No, no, this ought to be an outgrowth of just who you are. Just, just who you are. Paul was calling the Philippians to work out what God had worked in already. What God had already done with the indwelling of, with the transformation and the indwelling of, of his Holy Spirit in our lives. That, 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 that's, it's like click, you know, it's, it's, I don't know what metaphor or, or example or window to look to, but it's, it's, he's not saying, oh, go get gas and then stand there with a gas can. It's like, no, you already got the car. You know, you got the car. Now, if you need gas from time to time to put in the car, to move it along the way, you already got the car. So don't, don't, don't think that, okay, well, if I work out, then that means that I'm earning points. No, that just shows proof that what was already worked in you is there. And now it's, it's just lived out behavior. See, and as I shared last time, one of the greatest uh, detriments to our ability to communicate the gospel is a lack of observable credibility. It's a lack of observable credibility. I can't hear what you say because your lifestyle doesn't match up with your words. I, I, yeah, you're saying Jesus is the answer, 
uh, but you're trying everything but Jesus for your, for your problem. Yeah, I, that, I, that's, that's you're, at worst, you become silenced. At best, what your message is, is garbled. It's, 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 it's strange. Yeah, boy, act like you got some sense. Uh, also saying, without saying, don't make mama look bad. Don't, 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 bring, don't bring embarrassment on my name now. Because people know me, and they'll say, aren't you Henrietta's son? I know her. I, I know her. She, she's better than that. Uh, no, no, you must not be Henrietta's son. Uh, but that's for a different day, a different time. Uh, I got so many stories I could share with you growing up in the great state of Bakersfield. But uh, as Jesus said in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, if you love me, if, 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 if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Um, that's just, it's just an outgrowth of your love. So, but still Paul writes into the letter to the Romans, the things that I, I don't want to do, I do. The things I want to do, I do. Uh, so what am I supposed to do? Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked because wonderfully, thankfully, God has done the work of salvation within not only the Philippians, but also in us. And he's not abandoned us. Uh, as the, the 13th chapter reads, I like how the, the common English uh, Bible presents it. God is the one who enables you both to want and to actually live out his good purposes. God is the one who enables you both to want and to actually live out his good purposes. What's the bottom line? If we have no desire to live for the Lord, we have no right to say we know the Lord. If we don't have a desire to live for him, we can't say we know him. Because if we know him, then we'll embrace him. See, if we know him, we will have confessed him. We will, we will have received the gift of his Holy Spirit. We will, we will have passed from death unto life. We will have everything we need to be everything that he wants us to do. He will enable us both to want to be a good son or daughter and actually to be a good son and daughter. That's kind of like a winning ticket. They just, if, if, but that's a big if. That's a big if. Um, how is this possible? How is this possible? Again, the Holy Spirit of God. We don't talk much, or we don't talk enough about uh, that third part, that third aspect of God. And we talk about the Father. We talk about the Father a lot. We talk about the Son. There's salvation in the Son. But, but the equal and, and a fundamental part, aspect of who God is, is his Holy Spirit. And that's the, the, what Jesus called the comforter. And that allow, that, that's, that's what indwells us and allows us to desire him and want to please him. That's what the Holy Spirit does. See, otherwise, we'll just keep reading about things, and we're not allowing the, the application to actually live itself out in our life. And life will become, it will, I know you guys are better than I am, but life will be, be a constant struggle filled with ups and downs. Again, disconnected points. Well, that was a point of great joy. That was a point of great joy. And there's no, no line connecting the two. There was, a, you know, a big old gulf of uh, disappointment and up and down. That's not what God intends. That, that's not what God intends. God intends for us to have 
abundant life. See? Abundant life. Abundant life. Not, not what the, the, the snake oil salesman peddle is. Oh, well, that means, you know, again, a chicken in the pot, a car in the garage, you know, kids that obey themselves. That's, not, that's nice to have. I want that. I would love to have a chicken in the pot, okay? But, but an abundant life is much more than that. Abundant life allows me to, to say and mean, to say and mean, if he kills me, I'm good with that. If he takes everything that the world would count as a blessing from me, I'm good with that. Had the special occasion uh, to visit uh, Sister Annie Jones's uh, old stomping grounds, the Monterey Peninsula, and um, uh, we laid to rest uh, the, the father of some dear, dear friends uh, of ours. Uh, dear friends. And I won't go into all the, the details, but at the, uh, at the end, it was graveside, and as they were placing the remains in the, in the ground, the, the expression of devotion and love that the, the widow showed uh, moved everyone to tears. It was, it, was, it was unapologetic. It was genuine. It was effusive. It was, it was incredible expression of love. And as I was drying uh, tears from my eyes, I was thinking, I said, you know, that's what God wants from us. That's exactly what God wants from us. That type of, you know, God, I just, I just thank you. Uh, yeah, I thank you for the chicken in the pot. But you know what? You just crossed my mind today. And I just want to say thanks. Whoa, don't you want to attach something? No, thank you. Thank you for being God. Thank you for not being me because I'm messed up. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for being kind. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for giving us the S-U-N son. Thank you for a place where I can pitch my tent and uh, not get rained on at night. Uh, thank you for all the simple and wonderful things that if I'm not careful, I'll just think it's supposed to always be this way. That's the kind of devotion God desires from each and every one of us. I was, you know, as, as, our, as, our, as our teens head off to college, uh, God knows uh, that was the case because I wasn't the brightest bulb on the marquee. Um, but I, uh, I thank God for B's and A's. Boy, when they, when, they, when they crept across my report card, it's like, oh, praise God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, some, some classes, calculus included, I'd, I'd have no idea what I'm doing. But I just know if I do this, this, and this, I'll get the right answer. Thank you. I just, we, we really need to dial into, you guys are better than I am. Mark really needs to double down and really focus on being thankful. Just, just thankful for air to breathe. Just, it's, it's, it's incredible. So, if I don't have a desire to live for the Lord, I don't have any right to say he is Lord of my life. And definitely I don't have any right to make any claims from him. How dare I pick up the phone and ask for room service? How, how dare I do that? How, how, and, I don't, and, I don't have, and I don't have a relationship with, with him? That, that makes no sense. 
So today, and I won't be before you long, I promise. I know I say that every week, but I promise. Uh, So today we pick up at the 14th verse, and it reads, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. So let me be clear. What Paul is doing, he's continuing to present what the life of a Christ follower individually looks like in the lives of community. So so he set it up at the end of the first chapter. He set up all the individuality things. And now in the second chapter, he's building up upon the community things. And now he's saying, in this community... In this community of faith that you find yourself in, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. For you English majors, that do is a present imperative, an intensive present imperative. Do, keep doing, it's really important that you do everything without grumbling or arguing. Wait, what's he saying? We've been created to live and worship, not in isolation, but in community. Uh, Do what? Everything. Everything, without grumbling or arguing. Grumbling, grumbling, grumbling. Complaint uttered in a low and distinct tone. Who do they think? Who do they think they are? What did you say? Nothing think there's someone they think there's some don't they what did you say did you say something no I didn't say anything no I know I can do better than that you say something no Mm -mm. I didn't say anything he thinks he's all that don't he Hmm. you say something no I didn't say anything grumbling is what the the Jews did when they left Egypt you know we didn't have it so bad in in slavery it wasn't that bad you know, slavery wasn't too bad. Uh, you know, I'm thirsty. I know God's given us some food. I'm sick of it. I want something else. Give me something else to eat. Grumbling. You've seen them? I, I'm not accusing you of being them. Uh, the weather is really nice, don't you think? It's all right. Uh, Nice day today. No, it's too hot. If we're not careful, you know those folks. If we're not careful, grumbling can become a way of life. That just becomes who you are. Just, 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 you're just not a happy person. Um, you know, uh, if, the we- if it's not the weather, uh, the, if it's not the weather, then it's the people. The people don't treat us the way they should. Uh, church leaders don't do things correctly. Uh, praise team don't just sing right. You know, AV just don't get it right. You know, just, just children's church. Why are they teaching that lesson? They should teach this lesson. Just not, ha- just grumbling. Unhappy. It's an expression. Again, let's go talk about the expression. It's an outflow. It becomes an outflow 
of who you are. But whereas grumbling is subtle division, grumbling is subtle division, arguing is a front-on, frontal assault. It's exactly what it means. Just a verbal debate of issues, combative. No matter what's presented, the person will find a reason to argue why it's not so. You know, I think God wants us to love one another. Boy, but you got to tell them the truth. Boy, truth without love, or, uh, uh, truth, uh, information without truth is, is, is just hate. You know, it's, 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 it's what, you know, it's like, well, can you sprinkle a little love on it? No, we need to give them the truth. <laughs> Got to give them the truth. So we bludgeon, try and bludgeon people to Christ. Take the cross off of Calvary, pick it up in our own hands and start whacking people with it. You're going to accept Jesus. I'm going to tell you everything what's wrong with you. But before you do that, you might want to pick the two by four up out of your eye before you start picking out splinters out of someone else's. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. I just <laughs> um, why does Paul warn against grumbling and arguing? Uh, so that we can become blameless and pure. See, he's not saying that we would become children of God by avoiding arguing and grumbling. We already are children of God. His point is that, that they would, we would live out and become known as children of God by avoiding these things. So people will readily identify you for who you are. That point of, of refuge, that point of, of, of that, that island of peace and a world of chaos. See, certain things are simply out of keeping with Christian character and faith. Uh, when unbelievers see these things in us, they're quick to conclude that there's nothing about our Christianity. If you're grumbling and complaining about things on your job and coworkers that may not be believers hear you, what do you think they think? What, 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 I mean, what, I'm seriously, what do you think they think? Bad-mouthing the... They, I give... One thing I've grown to... I've grown uh, is to allow sinners wide berth. What do you expect a sinner to do? Seriously. You expect good behavior from a sinner? I mean, it's like, you might expect, well, how come Pastor Meeks can't, Meeks can't dunk the basketball? I don't know. I can't dunk the basketball. So don't get mad at, I mean, it's like that's, that's, that's crazy on your part to expect me to do that. So when we look at sinners and we look at others that don't know Christ, and we say, well, they should do this and they should do that, and this is that, that's, and, and we get mad at them, it's like, did you expect a different behavior? Did you expect righteous behavior from flawed sin? That, that, that makes no sense at all. Christ followers, Christ followers believe that God is in control of all things, including those situations that are unpleasant and uncomfortable. So when we complain and grumble, really what we're telling around us is that, you know what, I could do a better job than God. I'll say it again. When we are complaining and grumbling, essentially what we're saying, God is not in control, and I can do a better job. That's what we're saying. It ain't right. This needs to be fixed. You think, We are supplanting God's position on the throne, and we're saying, edge over a little bit. Give me a little cheek space. I've got, I've got, I've, I've, I've got I, I, want, I want some... I want something done about here. Little justice here. Little fixing here. There's only one God. Only one God. 
and we are all his sons and daughters. I'm thinking God is doing a very poor job, and if we got the opportunity, we could do much better. See, that's why he goes on uh, to write in the B portion of it. Then, then you will shine among them like stars in the skies. You hold firmly to the word of life, and I will be able to boast on that day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. See, our grumbling and arguing is a direct attack on God. So Paul writes and implores them, don't do it. And just as the, you think about the darkest situation, be it on your job, in the community, or whatever, it's really dark. It doesn't take a whole lot of light to really show the contrast between the darkness and the light. And Paul is painting a picture. It's like, you're going to be like stars in the sky. You know, just, you just stop grumbling and arguing, complaining, love God, love others, and you're going to stand out so bright, so incredibly bright, people are going to say, man, that was some brilliant stars. What, what's going on with those people over there? They're different. See? But too often, we're, 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 <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not okay with uh, the, the reflected light of Jesus Christ that's in our life. So we go out and buy flashlights or torches and poke them in the eyes of everybody we find. Here. Mm. I can't see. Oh. Now that's Jesus. No, that's you. No, that's you. We, we, we forget where we've come from. Do we not know who we are? I mean, I mean, you guys are great. I mean, you guys are awesome. I'm just talking writ large in, uh, in Christendom, if you will. Uh, do we, have we forgotten where we are, who we are? I, just one step from hell. Do, do, do we understand that? Is that if it weren't for the shed blood of Jesus on Calvary, uh, where would I be? Where, I, I can't save me. I can't save you. It's only Jesus Christ. So don't buy the, the flashlights, the books, the, well, uh, you know, those supplements to a Christian life. You know, if I buy this book, if I do this fast, be it Daniel or, or Shadrach, Meshach or whoever, uh, you, know, uh, you know, if I go to this conference, if I hear this speaker, you know, we're all looking for lights. Just looking for lights. Give me a light. Give me a light. Give me a light. Give me something. I, I know. I know. I'll probably get some mail. That's all right. Uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with any of these things. But too often we look at those as the solution to what's going on. All the, all the, all the issues of life. And God is saying, I'm it. I'm enough. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got me and you. Why are you running out buying some cheap uh, flashlight from Walmart with some, some, and putting batteries in it and saying, well, and, and then when the batteries run out, we're, we're unhappy again. I'm just, oh man, my battery, my flashlight's dead. Can I, got a candle? Got a lamp? Looking around for patchworks and God is like, I've given you everything. Live life abundantly. Don't look to others. Look to me. Not me, him. Look to, look to God. I, I'm, I, I'm everything you need. Paul is nearing the end of his time on earth, and I'm nearing the, nearing the end of the time here. And he's looking back on things with intentionality. It's wonderful to be intentional. 
And he goes on to write, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you should be glad and rejoice with me. When you're young, when I was young, uh, I, I always looked for the opportunity for a do-over. You know what those are. You know, you screw up once, you get to do over again, get to fix it. You know, when you're young, you can do that. When you're not so young, you don't get those do-overs around, you know. Yeah, you, 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 you pull a muscle, break a bone. Uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't repair like it used to. It, do, it just doesn't. It, the, the, do-over, the do-over window uh, is closing, um, which is all the more reason to get it right the first time. Paul concludes this section by describing his life as being poured out like a drink offering. And if uh, that could be your homework for tonight, you read the 23rd chapter of the book of Numbers, uh, you'll read that the drink offering was an accompaniment to the sacrifice. The drink offering was an accompaniment to the, to the sacrifice. It wasn't the sacrifice, it was an accompaniment. Um, and it was poured out by the priests on top of the animal sacrifices. This is, that's what I keep saying about our, our, our fellowship. It's just, it is, it is simply not coming together as a body of believers is more than satisfying a, a, an emotional itch. It's, it's, not, it's nothing like that. It's not checking the box. It's, uh, you know, fulfilling some guilt obligation that you grew up with. Uh, I need to come. But it is one plus one equals something altogether different, and it's not two. It's not even a number. And so what Paul is saying, as we are able to celebrate, as we are able to come together, we celebrate essentially a shared sacrifice. So Paul is being poured out as a drink offering on top of the sacrifices, those that he has ministered to, and it all together becomes something, a source of joy for the community to rally around. We kind of know it, but we can't quite put our finger on it, even here at City Church. Yeah, as, as, as many have said, you know, the garage was wonderful. There was, there was, a, there was, a, there was a coming together. There was a knitting there. Uh, but, but I, you know, we will look at this time as, boy, you know, the, 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 the gym when we were here and, and the coffee and the, and, 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 the, and the time spent, as Pastor Campbell would say, I've never been to a church where in the middle of worship they have halftime. And he said it again at a conference a few weeks ago. He said, you really need to see what they're doing. He said, in the middle of worship, they have halftime. And then the third quarter, they pick it right up like nothing, like didn't miss a beat. They just pick it right up. So you know it. You, you kind of know it. You, you, you sense it. It's like what's going on here is it's, 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 it's what Christ intended. It's first century fellowship. That's what it is. Where we come together, we worship him. We fellowship with one another. We lift others up with one another. You don't have to come, you know, the, the, I got issues. I know you guys don't have to say man, but I got issues. So if, if everybody with issues is coming to the man with issues, uh, we're all messed up. 
we're in a bad way. But if we share our burdens one with another, then we're able to help one another. That's why, you know, it's like we have mothers, we have deacons, we have ministers, we have, we have folks in different roles leading us in worship, leading us in praise, doing different things, being, being, being so diligent in serving the, the just coffee. That's it's just a huge thing. You think, it's just coffee? No, it's a huge aspect of ministry to be able to, I'm showing you love. Would you drink from this cup? Let me pour this for you. Let me serve you. See, we know that, but we don't, we don't like think it through. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what Christ, or what Paul is talking about, what Christ has called us to do. So when we extend ourselves and move out of our areas of comfort, just six things. One, we display the love of Christ. Two, we expand the body of Christ. Three, we witness to the world what it means to be Christ's followers. Four, we celebrate the shared sacrifice for Christ. Five, we increase our faith and devotion to Christ. And six, we want to do even more to show the love of Christ and it becomes circular. And then it starts all over again. And they just go round and round and round. And it just keeps building up. So our ability to rejoice and celebrate all the things that have happened in and through us is directly tied to our relationship with God. I need you in order for me to adequately worship God. I know that just, just, just blows a hole in a lot of theology. But I need you to show my love and devotion to God. Well, if Pastor Meeks, if you're on a desert island, well, I'd, I'd do what I got to do. On the, but I'm not on a desert island and neither are you. So I need you to show my love and devotion to Christ. Nothing, nothing to do with, with charity or pity. I mean, charity, not in, the, not in the, the New Testament sense of the word, where it's evidence of love. But, you know, oh, you know, there's, there's a homeless person. Let me give them a dollar. You know, it's like... That may or may not solve the issue. Probably won't. But when I say charity, I'm talking about love. I want to show the love of Christ. And I need you in order for me to show the love of Christ. We need each other in order to show the love of Christ. That's why City Church is so blessed. That's why I am so blessed to be in fellowship with you. And that's why the community, the city... This little band, this small little band of baptized believers has made a tremendous impact. It's because of you and your willingness and your ability to love God and to love others. Love God, love others. Love God, love... It's not conditioned on your, on your good looks. I know some of Mother Smith, stunningly beautiful. But, 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 but it's, it's, she's, we love God and we love her. We love God and love every one of us. It's not, it's not on your ability you're to speak. It's not on your ability to sing. It's not, it's not on anything but the love of God. And the love of God compels me to reach out and to love others. Let's pray.